Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. All through July, we've been um, talking about generosity and giving and finances and things like that here at Central, which is something we really haven't done for a long time. Um, despite the fact that our church's history would have, it probably would have been an annual monthly sermon series (laughs) back in the day, but we really haven't done it for a long time. And part of the reason for that has been um, really my own journey with, um, with faith and in church. And it kind of, probably for where I'm at, I'm I'm fairly hypersensitive to anything that feels like motivating people to like do things, um, and that that's probably like a real weakness of my leadership. But it it just is. But um, this month, as we've been talking about finances and being, I guess, a bit more open and honest about where things are at, I, it's been great because it's energised just some really good conversations amongst us as a church and um, it's been great because there's been people that have really encouraged and challenged me with like, you know, why don't you talk about this? Like, why why do you have hang-ups about this? (laughs) Like, it's like, it's been really, um, really great to have some honest conversations about that because it's helped me confront some of my hang-ups and, um, you know, it's been a good opportunity for me to just go, yeah, where do I need to to grow and to heal and to move beyond things that have been, you know, problematic in my past and in our past. And so, and that, that's just the way God works, isn't it? That's another feature of the body of Christ, that together, because we approach things differently, we think differently, we respond differently. As we share honestly with one another, we provoke one another to growth. And so I've really felt that just from you guys in a really beautiful way this month, just that provoking towards growth. And so I always knew that I would be doing this last message on, um, on giving and I, I, I didn't have a plan for what I was going to say. But out of what, you know, the conversations I've had with many different people this month, um, I thought I would just take the opportunity to, to share or maybe for some people to reshare um, some of our, some of Central's ethos around giving and finances um, and just share again where we're at finan- financially as a church and then what some of my hopes for the future are as we go forward. Um, so to frame what I want to say, oh yeah, insert, this is, I, <laughs> insert amazing sermon title here. I hadn't, I was like, there was no sermon title for this and so Oren has done that for me because <laughs> it was like, I was like, there's no title um, can't come up with a good good title. Um, but to frame what I want to say, I want to show you this um, artwork by a Canadian artist who is, whose name is Joy Banks. And it's a lino cut print, um, which is inspired um, by the story of the rich young ruler, which is probably a story that all of us here are quite familiar with. So it's found in Matthew 19, Mark 10, and Luke 18. And I won't um, read it to us this afternoon, um, but essentially it's a, it's a story of an encounter that Jesus had with a young man who 
who had heard about Jesus, who had heard about the goodness of Jesus, heard about the wisdom of Jesus, and he comes up to Jesus and he falls on his knees in front, in front of Jesus and he, he says, you know, I know you're a good and a wise rabbi. Um, what do I need to do to enter eternal life? And what he's asking is not a question around what do I need to do to go to heaven when I die? Because they had a different understanding of what eternal life meant. It was about the age to come. It wasn't, it wasn't sort of our more modern understandings of heaven. But he's asking Jesus, how do I enter into the age to come? Which is about life beyond the life that we have here. And Jesus answers him by saying, you, you know what the commandments say, you know, love Love your, you know, honor your mother and father, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't kill anyone. And this young man says, I've done those things. Like he's a, he's a faithful, kind of honorable, loving young man. And then in Mark it says, And Jesus looked at him with love. And, and then he says, One thing you're lacking. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then you will have treasure in the age to come. And it says that the young man went away disheartened because he had so many possessions. And the, the story of Jesus and the, the rich young ruler kind of ends there. So we don't actually know what the end of the story is. Like, I wonder if he did actually go away and those words of Jesus sort of wrestled and resonated in his heart until he maybe he did actually do what Jesus challenged him to do. I don't know, maybe he didn't. Um, but I really enjoy this, um, I really like this picture, despite the angle of Jesus's head. <laughs> and I mean, because this goes out on, on the podcast, there'll be people who might be listening to this and you won't be able to see see the artwork at all but it is it's a picture of a young man that's sitting in a castle that's cluttered with things a car a bottle of wine a ring a credit card a chair um, a gun <laughs> um, a knife and a fork and a spoon and maybe a television I couldn't decide if that thing was an artwork or a television or or a coffee cup or a, yeah I yeah and there's a coffee cup anyway there was and, and, he, and he's essentially, he's inside his castle facing away from Jesus, looking back over his shoulder to where Jesus is standing outside and that perspective of Jesus being so much larger than this man's castle and Jesus is just casually resting his arm over the top of the man's castle and then his other arm is stretched out wide, almost, for me, just in complete like, invitation for this young man to come out from that which he possesses and in a way that which possesses him in order to enter the wide open spaces of God's good kingdom. And there's a real kind of um, contrast between the simplicity of Jesus and his bare feet and his open hands and this man's, you know, ornate castle and filled with things and this um this picture I guess communicates a, a lot of things to me about 
our approach to, to what we have, to what we own, to how we hold things in life. And I guess it, it communicates the idea of like the smallness of our own worlds in comparison to like the vastness of God's greatness. In the same way that song we sing talks about, you know, our own human hearts compared to the vastness of God's creation where we are one small small part of God's good world and yet in in some instance we can become so hyper focused on our own small world that we can miss the vastness of God's goodness it, it speaks to me of like the cramped and cluttered nature I suppose of our own possessiveness compared to the freedom and open spaces of trusting in God and it also I think sort of captures really amazingly the, the way we can kind of get bent in on ourselves when we're focused on our own lives compared to you know this generous posture of God to the world which is like openness and invitation and yeah it's it's I've, I really enjoy I really enjoy the the liner cuts of Joy Banks and this is one that I really enjoy and I it really does sort of connect in with the things that we're talking about in terms of how we approach our finances how we trust God how we give how we live in abundance and all those sorts of things so I'm going to leave that to the side and what I want to do is just tell you um, some of the journey of us as a church as it relates to money and buildings and stuff um, so that you can kind of get a sense of like why we are here where we are today um, and what are the things that are sort of built quite deeply into the ethos and the values of Central and um, I want to, like, as I tell the story, I'm only going to sort of tell a very summarised version of it, but I don't want to tell this story with any indication that I'm passing judgement on previous versions of Central in the same way that each one of us has, like, previous versions of ourselves as we've grown and changed that we need to not pass judgement on, but actually just need to hold and include as part of who we are. And, you know... I, we, we're all on a journey of becoming in the same way that Central has been on a journey of becoming. And it's necessary that as we all grow that we pass through stages and seasons of growth and change. So Central as a church was planted in 1997. And I was thinking there might be people here today who weren't born when that happened. Is, there, is that anyone? When were you born, Caitlin? 1997. See, this is like... Like, Central is as old as Caitlin. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not old. It's young and fresh. But it's like, when you, and I think I say that. And I, if I was to say to each of you, what were you doing or where were you in 1997? You know, that gives you a set, like, and then you think, oh, wow, how much has happened in my life and how have I changed and grown since 1997? In the same way that people, like, shift and change and grow and develop and are formed. I, it's, a church is similar. A church takes on the, it shifts and changes and grows and develops and forms as it grows. And so we're in our mid-twenties as a church. Is that right? <laughs> 26. <laughs> Dark time. <laughs> not, 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 uh, that wasn't a good time for you, Eloise, 26 years <laughs> Um, 
We, we were planted, 1997, out of a large charismatic church in Thoreau. And a bunch of people left Thoreau with the vision to plant Central in uh, South Coast City Church Central. It was very, it was a tongue twister. In Central Wollongong. And we were going to be like one church in two locations that would become one church in three locations over time. It was the late um, 1990s and in the charismatic world in the late 1990s, um, there was a culture and a model to follow in terms of planning church and that meant lots of energy, lots of vision, lots of buy-in. If you've, if you've been around and you weren't three in 1997, you might be familiar with that era. Um, and and th- that was us. Um, and I had just moved to Wollongong at the beginning of 1997 and kind of connected to Central just as it was planting in, in the early days. So I have been a part of this church um, almost from the beginning, although I didn't come from the, the mothership. Um, <laughs> and we started by just hiring a space. So we actually hired South Beach Surf Club, which now doesn't exist because it's... Um, City Beach Function Center, and like, but there used to be an old surf club there. And so we, we started by hiring that. I think we had a couple of meetings in the town hall. Gary, you've been around that whole time, although you were probably quite, you were younger than me. Eight at Thoreau, and then, yeah. So I think, yeah, so we just started by hiring a space on a Sunday because, you know, you had to get momentum going. And then in about the July, I think, of 97, we bought... And we, we, no, we started renting a giant warehouse building down on Swan Street in sort of cent- southern central Wollongong near the cemetery there. And it was like big, big old warehouse with a mezzanine level for like kids' church and a kitchen and a cafe area. And we painted the walls a horrific shade of orange. <laughs> it was like a mango colour. It was... It was I, well, I didn't even know that that was trendy in the late 90s. I'm thinking it was probably discount like at the paint store. But anyway, it was quite a horrific shade of yellow. Anyway, um, it's, the building's still there now, actually. It's, a, it's Definition Fitness. It's a gym. And um, yeah, anyway, it's, it's, it doesn't have orange walls anymore. Um, so so we, we planted there and um, we grew quite quickly quickly as a church because that the late 90s was an era again in the charismatic church world where energy and growth was equated with the presence and the favor of God and people would go wherever they sensed that the presence and the favor of God was so we grew really quite quickly um, and two years later we planted a church down south in Shell Harbour and sent a bunch of people off to do that And then from that point on in 1999, Central just was sort of operating in standard charismatic church mode, um, which meant putting money and energy and resources into our building, into programs, into growing the church. And was, you know, we really had like an attractional church model. The idea was to attract people to come to church. So you'd have you know, a lot of energy and effort and going into like great worship and entertaining sermons and, you know, powerful kids ministry and we really loved what we were doing and, you know, we believed in it. And we actually ticked along quite well in this model for many years. At one point we bought our warehouse, we bought the warehouse, so then we ended up with a mortgage on that. Um, And I was, I've been a part of the church from the beginning and I was on the leadership team for a lot of the 
as, as a youth leader and then leading the youth. And for, for, I was part of this story for, for, for a long time. And we were essentially doing what we were taught to do. The model that had been given to us, we were operating within. Um, and there are certain things that are inevitable about that kind of model of church. And one is that when you have a large expense budget with building costs and staffing costs and program costs, you need the income to be able to survive to meet those. I mean, it's just the same as any standard financial thing. And so um, that, that was a large kind of thing that was operating within the life of the church that we needed to get the money from people. Yeah, that sounds terrible. We need to... <laughs> we needed to, yeah, we needed to, we needed people to give generously so that we could keep doing what we were doing because we had no other source of income. You know, as a church, you just live off the generosity of the members and high overheads means you need to energise a large amount of giving uh, from the people. So, you know, every week we would have a, a, a giving um, message was often the way that young people got to cut their teeth on preaching. So you got like, you know, your three minutes to do a giving message. And if you were good at it, maybe, you know, like, you, anyway, we, we, have we all been there? <laughs> no, so anyway. Um, anyway, in about 2003, we, we being the leadership team at Central, um, we began deconstructing the model of church that we'd inherited. Um, and I can only say by looking back that it was God that had energised this, this deconstruction, really. Um, we started asking questions about the resources that were needed to keep this machine running. Um, and we started asking questions about whether the machine that was running was actually producing the kind of disciples that Jesus was talking about. And I think when we took a good, honest look at what we were doing, we realised that there was a lot of money, energy and resources going into this program, this machine of church, but it wasn't actually necessarily producing good discipleship in us. And so these questions kind of led us to taking the church on a journey of change, which was away from programs and towards community. It was away from the church being the centre of people's giving and towards people giving themselves to their neighbourhoods and their lives. It was away from the church being the focus of mission with programs to reach people and towards people realising that actually mission is all around you in your workplaces and your neighbourhoods and your sporting hobbies and you don't have to go far from your life to realise there are people who might want to know about Jesus and need love and mercy and goodness. Um, and so in a way, it was like the model we inherited was a model of church where the church draws people into itself and then needs those people to keep the thing running. Like, <laughs> you need to be busy serving, you need to be busy giving in order to sustain the thing. And we questioned this and moved towards a vision of church that didn't draw people in but had an idea of sending people out. So church would be like, you know a place that, you know, filled people up in order that they might go out back out into their into their lives and into their worlds and be able to serve and follow Jesus there. So there used to be this thing we'd say a lot, um, Fred would say it a lot, we're going to lower the bar of church and raise the bar of discipleship. So we're going to do all that we can to like strip back what's needed by this machine to keep things running and instead kind of challenge ourselves to live out the life of Jesus that he called us to. Um, and, and this meant 
working out what it means to meant to declutter our church, to de-busy our church, because it would not have been unusual back in those days for people, every one of us, to be out like two or three times a week doing church stuff, like church on a Sunday, small group midweek, and then you you like to uh, the the marker of belonging and the marker of discipleship wasn't just that you were coming but that you were serving and so you were on rosters and you were on teams and those teams had meetings and those teams had practices and like so it would not be unusual for the minimum of people to be out at least twice a week and the maximum of people if you're on like kids church or youth leader and you're on the worship team you could spend five nights a week doing church stuff And church became the centre of your existence and sort of used up all the time and energy you had outside of your work and your family. Like church was everything. And, you know, there's some good things about that because that creates a high sense of belonging and a great sense of friendship when you're working alongside one another. But the downside is that you don't know your neighbours and you have no energy for anything that exists outside the sphere of that community. And because we were asking questions about that, um, it just caused us to, to reframe things. It was almost like back then we were a circular economy. Like church would, you know, give people a, a good thing. People would serve the church to give back to the church that would give people a good thing. So it was a circular economy and it sort of was fairly well sustained within itself. That's not to say we didn't do things outside of ourselves, but in essence, that was the model that we were working with. So as we went on this journey of changing things, um, one really significant step in the reimagining of church was, um, was selling our building. And we did this in consultancy. We, we didn't just follow our own whims but we we were really working through a process and we did this in consultancy with other people where they challenged us to really think about what are the resources needed for this what are you spending money on and does it align with your values and what you feel God is called to and so over a period of time and with deep thinking and prayer and stuff we ended up selling the building and just trying to completely reimagine our priorities, including our finances. So we didn't want finances, all the finances, to have to come into our own empire in order that we might be able to just keep doing what we were doing. We wanted to be a gift to the world. Um, We wanted more resources, time, energy and money to be able to go outwards into the vastness of God's greatness. it would be fair to say that part of like this journey, we had attracted people with our good programs and then when we started to uh, ask questions about those programs and maybe deprogram them um, and maybe move away from powerful worship and entertaining Sundays, that you know, people struggled to come on that journey with us for lots of different reasons. The journey towards being more missional and incarnational and communal as a church. Uh, So the parallel story to this that I'm saying is how we managed to shrink a church (laughs) really successfully over a period of years, almost to nothing, Um, and then then come back to life again. The story of Central really is a story of death and resurrection, and um, it's, it's a good one to have been a part of it. But over that, that journey and those years that were, that contained highs and lows and were intoxicating and grief-filled as well, just like life is for all of us. 
um, there are some things that we reimagine that have actually been embedded very deep into the ethos of our community. And they really inform who we are today. And even if you have only been at Central for a small period of time or a couple of years, there, there are things that happen before you arrive that are deeply ingrained into the fabric of who we are because of what God has done in us. And part of that really is our culture around and our values around money and resources, including time and energy. Um, and some of that has changed from what we were, which was a self-sustaining economy, to functioning as an organisation in as frugal a way as possible um, so that people's time and energy and money can actually be used to serve and give to those around them. So instead of being a community that draws everything into itself in order to sustain it, we've wanted to be a community that, you know, that does fill people up, but not for its own end, but so we can go out there and actually be generous and give our time and our energy to people around us. So not like building our own castle, but functioning as best we can in broken and ordinary ways as a people attempting to follow Jesus. So we don't have big overheads here at Central. We don't have a marketing budget. <laughs> our staff are all part-time and they support their ministry role with other jobs. Um, we're frugal as much as we can be with the organisational needs here um, so that we can be generous in other more missional ways. And that's, that's really been the things that have embedded into you know, who we are here. And so there are different things that could be done in order to make things more comfortable and sexy here, but we tend to really weigh them up as to whether or not that's what God would have us do with the resources and the finances that we have, or if there was a better way for us to, to spend those in order to give beyond ourselves. So that's sort of you know, some of the story of how we you know, do that. And part of, like, the honest truth is that part of the, from in me, the flip away from ever talking about money is essentially a shame around the way that we always talked about money. You know, and I haven't quite yet managed to find middle ground. But doing this month has been helpful for me because it provokes me to work out how, how does this all work in me and in us. So in the last, you know, since we've, I guess, come to Port Kembla, which was 2014. Oh, I was going to say eight years ago, but that's not, is it? Oh, my gosh, ten years next year. Anyone? Yeah, wow. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, some of the greatest increases, I suppose, in the challenges that we face financially in the, in the last 10 years, you could say, have been rent increases. As we, we have needed a building, you know, you get to a certain point as a community and just hiring a space becomes really difficult. And so we, we rent this building in collaboration with YWAM, we share that. Um, but, you know, the rent has increased over the years and, this, and so has our staffing because as we've grown as a community, essentially we've needed to put some more staffing around that so that we can stay healthy. When I took on the church in 2010, I think I, was, I came on it at three days a week um, and that's all I ever have wanted to work um, because I, I want to only ever work part-time for the church so that there's time and energy in my life for things that go beyond. And it's the same with all of us who work here. We want to 
have like a very bivocational approach to church. So when we, you know, when I took on the church, there was me three days a week, and I think, I think Linda Taylor Evans was doing the admin half a day a week, and I laugh about that because she's the most um, ill-equipped admin person I know. <laughs> but anyway, it was great. So we started with just that, like you know, three and a half day staffing budget, and as our community grew, we like we needed to put on extra stuff. We definitely needed someone to come and look after kids, like because we grew mostly by having babies. Um, there was way too many kids, so originally Matt came on staff, you know, so as a kids worker, and then it was Caitlin, now it's Becky, and then Oren came on in the last couple of years just to help with like pastoral work and logistics and and leadership, and then um, we also and Annalise does a bit like our communications person <laughs> and social media. Um, it does sound like we have a marketing budget, doesn't it? Yeah, there's just so, you're right. There's a lot of love and, and, a, and a tiny, a tiny amount of money in it. Um, and and in the last, like, so a couple of years ago, someone, um, a couple gave our church a generous amount of money so that we could employ a missions worker. And um, for a long time, that money just sat there because I just didn't really have the right person that I thought would could be the, a missions worker in our church. But um, late last year, Becca sort of came in on like half a day a week you, on that kind of money that someone had given as a gift to energise like justice and missions and do some pastoral support in our community. So our kind of like staffing has grown and our renting has grown, but our ethos has always been the same since that big transition time, which is keep it simple, give away as much as we can. And that's just not a financial thing. That's also a time and a resource thing. Like keep it simple give ourselves away as much as we can. And so in some things like for 12 years, we've supported a, a boys' home in Myanmar and giving boys the opportunity of an education and choice in life. And um, it's amazing to see over those 12 years where those boys are now and the change that's happening in them. And that's just because we've been able out of our abundance to give into that. We su supported Common Grace in their justice work and other sort of national things around the places they've come up. And we've done lots of like local giving, giving to local people and causes and being able to have, you know, just a very generous approach to needs as they come up. And um, yeah, that e like I said, that ethos around keep it simple, give away as much as we can has informed, you know, just the way we do church, that we wouldn't have epic programs and lots of need for people's time and energy, but we keep it simple so people can be generous with themselves um, out wherever where our lives are. One of the key stories that informed that in, in those early days of change for us was a story that someone told us about this man um, who worked for the church and would mow his lawn at night with a head torch on like he would, you know, go out at night and mow his lawn with a head torch on dry, and he would drive his neighbours crazy because he's mowing the lawn at like 9.30 at night. And the reason he was mowing the lawn at 9.30 at night was because he was busy with every other possible amount of his time in the church. Like he was working for the church and he was serving with the church and he was out at nights and he was full up on the weekends. And so he didn't know his neighbours, he annoyed his neighbours because the church itself was sucking all of his time and energy and we were like we don't want to be neighbours that mow our mow our lawns at night with a night like a nightlight on we want to be we want to know our neighbours because we've got time and margin in our lives and space and we don't want to like back in the days um 
busyness in the church equaled faithfulness and discipleship. Now we would say that faithfulness and discipleship equals having time to love and serve those around us. Like they're the changes in the metrics that we've made. And so we don't want to draw your energy and resources into what we're doing here, but to actually just be a place of rest and life and grace and goodness, like a well you can drink from in order that you go out to your world, to your workplaces, to your sporting groups, to your life, and actually give and serve and love and out of the, the, what you have. Um, and I, I, love, um, I love hearing about what people who belong here are doing with their lives. Like we have, um, we have people who volunteer their time at Orange Sky Laundry, Green Connect, Darcy House, AA Groups, the Peaceful Birth Partnership, Excite Tandems, Illawarra. We have people with time and energy to serve on school PNCs, to coach kids' sports teams, to be involved in other organisations and groups. There are all ways in which we're showing the love and the kindness and the grace of God to those around us because we want to push people out to where you are, that you would find God there, serving wherever you find yourself, like that your life is where God has placed you and there's enough need around you to give and serve there rather than having the church kind of bring all your time into here. Um, so that, that, a lot of those changes that happen, both in our resources, our missional approach to think that they're built into the DNA of central. They're pretty strong foundational things because we suffered for the changes that we made and we believed in them and we still do. And I'm not saying they will never change over time. They might if God leads us that way, but they're pretty, pretty foundational things, this idea of keeping things simple, being frugal, giving away as much as we can, not drawing people's lives into us, but releasing life outwards into the world. So to get super practical for a while, and a minute, and some of you have probably seen these because we've shown a few of these slides in the last little while, but this is our income and expenses in a colourful pie chart. So... Most of our giving comes from people's generosity and just tithing. Most people are just doing that online with a direct debit thing, although we have got a sexy black letterbox up the back if anyone wants to give cash at any time. We do have a tiny bit of other income like YWAM, which says not, yeah, typo. Um, And we do, from the sale of of our building, we do yeah have some money in a term deposit that gives us interest and all of that money that comes in does not go into the lot into the ministry of the church it goes out to missions and then that's our expenses like really staffing is the bulk of our expenses um building mission giving and then all that other stuff that's the thing that we're as frugal as we can be like there are things that you just have to have insurance um kids' church snacks, music license, you know, there's boring things. But we try to keep those as simple as possible so that we can just be focused on doing what we need to do to be healthy. The other thing that's probably just worth showing um, is that for some reason over the last 18 months or so, the number of people that are giving to Central has been on kind of like a downward trend. Um, I don't really know why that is um, because I'm not 
I'm not really across what, all of the details of what this is. Uh, I think we've had some people move on from Central um, who maybe have been there for a while, maybe we've had new people come in but they haven't like, you know, started to give. Um, that's that's the, the, the guts of it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> new people haven't been giving. I mean, we're in a cost of living crisis, I acknowledge that might be affecting the ability of people to give. And I do think the fact that we don't talk about it um, means that we don't sort of... <laughs> no, it's not. We you know we just not talk about it means it, do, it maybe it seem I think I think my lack of talking about it has felt like it means it doesn't we, we don't need it or it doesn't matter but that's it's not that's just I'm just got hang-ups um, but whatever the cause I would I'd, I'd love to see that start trending up again because you know when people give into church um, I think it's a really healthy sign of belonging um, even though we don't want to suck all of your you know resources in here and you know I want I want people to be generous and spirit-led with how they give and that might mean that some of their giving comes into church and some of their giving goes out to other things that they feel like God is leading them to but I do think it kind of like like just contributing to the life of this community is a good sign of belonging and that you know I would want to see that people who feel like they receive life and community and a sense of God here would also then think this is something I'd like to reciprocally give back to. Um, so that's a little bit about where we're at and we probably you know in terms of how things go we actually tick along okay like church finances is one of those things that God is involved in too and and so it always just seems to work out like and you know maybe we just call that the the miracle and the abundance of God and we work with what we have and so if we need to be frugal in different ways we would do that if we needed to trim things we would do that and always just trusting God for like what to give it to provide what we have um, I think for me um, the most immediate thing that I'm um, aware of for the future is that I Becca the funding that we got for for Becca's four, like four hour a week role, half a day a role, actually runs out in October. But I would really like to keep Becca um, paid to work at Central because I think she brings into our community just a brilliant um, sense of justice and she is living out the mission of God. I think the conversations she has with us to stir us up and to keep us growing are really important and I would really like to be able to keep her um, on staff in, in the minimal way that we've got her um, and that would be roughly around $10,000 a year we would need to increase our giving so that Becca could stay on so that's like you know 10 extra people giving 20 bucks a week or something you know um, that's the most immediate need that I think of for the future that I would just really like to see sorted out and then the other thing is I, our website needs a complete overhaul. I don't know if you've ever looked at our website. Um, I'd love to redo the website. That will cost money. And I don't know if you've looked at the sign at all in the last six years, but it really needs to. It still, it still says, anyway. <laughs> it only says we meet at four o'clock. Anyway, it's pretty old and daggy. Like there are things I would love to do, but the big, you know, we, we don't 
have the money for that in the budget yet, but we'll do that. And then actually, when, you start to, when we start talking to one another, there's no lack of imagination in our community for things we could do beyond ourselves. Like you start talking to anyone and everyone's got amazing ideas of things they'd love to do, programs they'd like to think. Like I would just love to see us at a place where, again, like our giving is increased a bit and we don't need to do anything more with us with it, but we start to be able to like go, let's, you know, support the things that are happening out there and let's see this go and we just have the like there is so much creative imagination um, there's so much dreaming possibilities and maybe what we need to do in the future is be like start to actually actively dream about the things we'd like to give to beyond ourselves and then start talking about it that it would kind of energize the imagination among us all um, for that but anyway coming I'm going to finish up coming back to the coming back to the artwork um, Oh, one other thing I want to say about Central is that as, as time has gone on and we have kept unlearning and relearning and growing in areas, especially in areas of justice and mercy, I think it would be, it would be fair to say that belonging to Central also involves a willingness to have converse, ongoing conversations about economic injustice um, about decolonizing our Western wealth mindset and about reckoning with the systemic sin or, you know, in the biblical language, the powers, um, the systemic powers of consumerism, materialism, capitalism and white privilege. Like they are conversations that we are having around those things are continuing to inform um, and reform us in terms of our, the management of our time, resources and finances. The rich young ruler, I want to just, you know, finish with this. At the end of that story, when the, when the, when the young man walks away from Jesus sad, um, Jesus watches the young man walk away and then he turns back to his disciples and he says, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are like, like you know, they're a bit shocked at Jesus' words because in those days, being rich was a sign of the blessing of God. And so Jesus is like flipping the script. Like because they just thought, if you're rich, that's a sign of God's favor. And Jesus is actually saying, actually, being rich is almost like a challenge to the way of God. And so the disciples are kind of like, what? And Jesus says to them again, How, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard to live the way of Jesus. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples again were even more amazed. And they're like, who can do this? If this is the truth, who can do this? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. With God all things are possible. And I, I want to just finish by saying this. Like, Jesus, I think, recognised that it's actually hard for us to uncouple ourselves from money and possessions. Like He recognised that's actually really hard. With man this is like impossible beating yourself up and guilting yourself and motivating yourself and striving is just hard work when it comes to this area of life. Um, it's hard to leave our castles for the wide open expanse of God's kingdom. But it's actually God that is at work in us, changing us. With man it's hard, 
But with God, everything's possible. And God is always at work in us. The story, our church story, is a story of God faithfully at work in the heart of our community. Your story is the story of God faithfully at work in the heart of you. Beyond your striving, your trying, your attempting, your working, beyond all of that, God at work in you. And so I just know that in relation to all these things, we don't have to berate ourselves or guilt ourselves into change, trying to be more generous, trying to be better. Let God be at work in you. Let God be at work in your finances. Let God be at work in your castle. Let God be at work in your heart and move us towards a different way of being. So, you know, at Central, we don't want to build our own empire or brand. We want to live in the wide open spaces of God's abundance, of trusting God. We don't want to be cluttered and cramped by buildings and programs and overheads. We want to be free and open-hearted and movable wherever God calls us to go. And we don't want to be bent in on ourselves here at Central, just looking after ourselves and focus on our own needs. But we want to be attentive and generous to all that's out there that's beyond us and the opportunities that God has for us out there. So can I pray for us as we finish? Maybe as we just come to prayer and turn our hearts towards God, just bringing your own self before God this afternoon, maybe you would just like to to ask yourself what part of that artwork might God be inviting you to think about? To consider Jesus, I pray that each one of us would feel your arm of love resting upon us. upon our lives, that we would know that you are close, Jesus. And Jesus, I pray that you would also help us to hear and to see and to sense your invitation to us to come out from the castles of our own building and into the expansiveness of your way. And Jesus, I pray not just for us as individuals, but for us as a community too. I think about the way you have formed us over many years and I trust that you will continue to form us to be what you need us to be, to be a gift for the world. And may we as a church feel your arms of love resting upon us and your arms inviting us outwards beyond ourselves to things that we can see and maybe things we can't even see yet. And so, God, we trust you. We rest in you. We ask that you would be at work in each one of us and in us as a community to do what is impossible, that we would rest in that work that you do in us, Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central. Ha, ha, ha.